Because he didn't tell us this morning he brought us tickets. They are chocolatey. I feel betrayed. Well, I feel, um, I feel very betrayed. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. I'm very betrayed. Not as betrayed as I did by finding out that Lizzo's lackluster at acting, but no, I'm just kidding. Ooh, well, uh, with that, we're going to enter into the whole entire thing because I've been recording the whole time. That's fine. I don't feel betrayed because um. I'm not a fan, but... <laughs> She needs acting lessons. <laughs> what did you see her act in? in? The Mandalorian. She's in The Mandalorian? Yeah. And I think the role was good for her. Mm-hmm. She just was not good for the role. <laughs> Oof. And, and she was next to Jack Black. Jack Black's on the... Who was perfect for the role they put him in. Apparently I need to see The Mandalorian. That particular episode was actually really fun. Oh. Um, are you a Back to the Future person? Yeah. Well, they gave us Doc Brown as well. Okay. Oh, the actor? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, no, he was... <laughs> That's great, he, he, but I'm going to... Yeah, yeah, he, it, was, it was just great to see him. I'm just like, going to oh. interject here and go, Hi, welcome to the podcast, everyone. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> We're recording. <laughs> Spoilers for season three of The Mandalorian. Wait, there's a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a podcast. Yes, this is season three, episode five. We don't, we don't just season. come back here and talk for a while? And no, okay. sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, we actually do have a theme Recording sometimes. <laughs> that, that, that happens. Like, you know, today we have a theme. But first, before we even get started on the theme, I'd like to know what everyone's reading. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, let's start. Uh, Tony's already thinking about the, it. My brain went wild between both themes that were discussed, and I'm like... Okay, um, one of these is going to bring out the more savage me because there's not as much caffeine in my system. <laughs> and the other one's going to not be a savage because it's I, fun, but okay. To, to be honest, I feel like this one might be the savage one and I don't know. Okay, no, that's fine. But right. well, I'll, I'll um, let you know because I forgot that I changed things like that. No, no, that's okay. Anyways, um, so what are you reading? What am I reading? I uh, just, yesterday, I just finished um, my... 2023 epic reread of Aragon, which is to say that I finished the first book. You do um, that like every year, right? I don't. Um, I haven't actually reread Aragon, the, like the first book, since it first came out. Um, when I first read it, that but I read it like ten times when I first got it. So like, fair, like back to back. So I'm pretty fair. familiar with the story. Um, but I'm rereading the whole series because of the release of Murtaugh later this year. I need to be prepared. I need to be prepared. <laughs> um, so, um, I just finished reading that. Really good. Um, the audiobook is phenomenal for anyone who doesn't know. Okay. Um, so, with, oh, yeah. And then I'm starting the sequel to He Who Fights with Monsters mm-hmm. because the first book was so good. <laughs> it was really one of the best things I've read in so long, and I hear it only gets better, and I'm like, Oh my god, it gets better. So like, has he become a monster yet, Tony? No. Um but I am sure that there's it's heading in that direction, I'm sure, or at least it's asking that question at some point because there's a lot of it's deeper than I thought it was going to be, which I actually really appreciate. And there's a lot of threads being pulled in many different directions. It's a really 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 great um story. So I'm excited to start the sequel to that, and I'm also excited, well not excited, I have begun my Stormlight Archive journey for any of you 
Branderson Sanderson fans out there, I did I just say Branderson Sanderson? You did. Yes, right. you that did. Wow. Well, but like, listen, it's what we're gonna call him from now. Those fans will forgive you. What if we just call him Branderson? <laughs> Branderson. Uh, those fans, even though they may already be Stormlight people, I am an OG fan because I read Elantris. Not quite the year that it came out, but before he was a Wheel of Time guy, like before he was signed up to finish. So I, I'm an OG. I am so hipster about Brandon and I get Brandon. really annoyed because the new people who love him because, you know, whatever reasons, he's a good author. I, you know, I respect that he has new fans. His new fans get on my nerves because they don't know how to read books and they don't know how to Ooh, read books. Ooh, that'll be another but episode. That's just me. I just started Stormlight. Um, it is a book that is a thousand pages oh and it's so heavy and hardcover that I just bought it on Kindle because it is untenable to hold that book <laughs> for any stretch of time but I am actually I mean I mean I'm only a few a couple chapters in but you know it's it's classic Brandon but elevated Brandon at the same time so I'm interested to see how that grows over the next few books because you know the fifth one comes out next year and I'm excited to finally be a part of the club. That Ooh. this part of the club. I mean, you know, I'm a misborn OG. But anyway, <laughs> uh, what are you reading, Grant? What am I reading? Yeah, um, I am reading the Topeka School by Ben oh, Lerner. Ben Lerner. Ooh, how yes. is that? Uh, it's good. Ben Lerner, who's also a poet, and his poetry is also very interesting. Oh, um, yeah. Um, cool. I knew he was a poet, but I hadn't read any of his mm-hmm. poetry. It's oh, good. Thanks. Um, and so the Topeka School, it's kind of, it's, it's a semi-autobiographical mm. tale. Um, he, uh, it's about a, uh, champion, um, like high school debate student, oh. um, and his psychologist parents and the titular Topeka School is like this, um, psychiatric foundation where both of his parents worked and that's where a lot of the drama happens um, and you jump forward and backward in time following the dad following uh, the son following the mom um, and there's kind of a dark story with a patient being alluded to at the moment mm. um, though I haven't gotten to I haven't no I don't have a full picture of that yet sure, sure. Um, yeah it's very well written um, he uh um, what was I going to say? He, uh, I don't know what I was going to say, but yeah, that's what I'm reading. <laughs> it kind of just, it kind of just left me like, like a spirit. Oh, well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay. I have that one at home, don't I? Yes, I have that one at home. I have that one in his debut novel, Leaving. Ten for, oh. Oh, no, that's the second one. That's I don't have one. that one yet. I need that. I need to get that one. But I have the, uh, Leaving the Atasha School. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was a Star Wars reference because of Tashi Station, but oh, it, yeah. I don't think that it is. <laughs> no, it's leaving the Atasha Station. Yeah, see, that's why I thought it was a Star Wars reference, but I, I don't think that it I is. I remember what I was going to say. Um, there are a lot of um, threads that kind of relate to recent events in either the political really? sphere, the social sphere, and stuff, even oh. though it takes place in, like, the... Uh, I guess it kind of t- takes place from, like, the 70s to the 90s. Okay. But, um... Yeah, it's. I'm interested to see how that all, all that all that plays out. Yeah. As well. So yeah. Anyways, very cool. All yeah. right, Aaron, what are you reading? Well, I finished, and I've uh, for those who are listening at home, 
I ranted about this in our uh, semi-bookish kind of group chat. So uh, mm-hmm. I finished reading mm-hmm. uh, one of us. One of us is lying by Karen M. McManus. Which um, now that I'm reading the Amazon blurb for this, because I just needed to refamiliarize myself with what like. Besides my little like qualms about it, the plot, why? So they call this Pretty Little Liars Meets Breakfast Club, which to be honest, I don't see it. Um, <laughs> so the theme is uh, five kids go into a detention, and then one of well, there's them. There's Breakfast Club, right? Then. There's your Breakfast Club. One right? of them's the alien. One of them dies. Oh. <laughs> um, as much as I wish one of them was an alien, because I feel like that would make it more entertaining. No. One of them dies, and then all of a sudden, those four kids who are left are now the suspects of the whole entire investigation. Um, this became a Netflix series, so like mm-hmm. I'm going to try not to spoil it too hard. Um I liked the premise. I liked the idea of having, like, the four characters being the main suspects. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so each character has, like, a secret that they're trying to keep hidden, and the character... Well, those are pretty little liars. The character who died um, is the creator of... This is where it gets really entertaining. He's the creator of a gossip app. So he does the XOXO Gossip Girl kind of thing, where he's like... Hi. Yeah. So he puts out the deets, and he it's basically like a, like a Tumblr blog kind of app thing sure. where he puts out like all these different like scathing like secrets that characters have yeah. throughout the whole entire thing. For example, like if you're like this character, slight spoiler alert, but not really because it's so far and you'll forget about it once I tell it to you. But this character's really sick, and then they went to a party, tried to hit on like one of the football players, and danced on a table because she got drunk. Like, and they like completely like expose the whole entire thing and they instead of like just saying outright who each person is they'll leave like the uh initials of the person mm-hmm. and does it keep going after they're dead kind of but not really oh okay so um as the kids are the main suspects they keep getting and this is like me just being really just mad at the system that's perpetuated in this and i'm wondering how close this is to the actual justice system but whatever (laughs) like they are just like constantly interrogated and i'm just kind of upset the whole entire time nobody talks to the like teacher who's also in the room at the time and like he's not a suspect even though he was also in the room at the same time as the four kids, he's not a suspect at all. He's just labeled as a witness. <laughs> like, they're just like, oh, yeah, he's a witness. And then, like, but, like, the pro bono lawyers do also turn around and go, why are we not also looking at the teacher who is also in the room at the time? Why are we focused on these four high school kids? Like, yes, all the four high school kids have a motive mm-hmm. because... They technically have a post that's made about them. Yeah. However, that post is not live yet, and nobody discovers that post till like, long after this kid dies. Okay. So, and even then, there's, like, a whole bunch of, like, nitty-gritty, like, is this post real? Is this post fake? Oh, here's another post that also might be related to this character. But each character has something to hide, like, intensely like needing to hide except for like one character who's like just kind of a criminal and mm-hmm. your little um what's his name bender from breakfast club character he's kind wow. of your he's like your criminal character like he doesn't really have anything to hide at this point <clears throat> but the other three do okay but um essentially 
I liked it, but I didn't like the fact that every chapter was like three or four different points of views all in first person. And it was very kind of disorienting. Mm. Like, if I had never, like, real, like, if I were just come and I was coming into this without having read for a very, like, long time, like, going, like, hey, I'm going to read this for the first time because somebody suggested it or it's very popular. Yeah. I'm, like, very kind of overwhelmed. And then I was very underwhelmed by the ending, which I'm not going to spoil, but... I yeah. did spoil it for Tony. Oh, which is fine. I don't. But uh, for the reader, read <laughs> listener, listeners at home, I'm not going to spoil it. But I was very underwhelmed. Okay. Uh, so now I'm switching gears and I'm going to undertake uh, Babel <laughs> by R. F. Qua because yeah. I got it. <laughs> you should tell me how that is because that is. I bought the Kindle edition because it's 560 pages and there's no way that I'm going to lug around that heavy a book around yeah, for heavy. like four weeks while I try to mentally do that but i'm waiting for my new kindle to get here so until then i'm uh what is it called the dance of thieves by uh mary e pearson is what i'm reading right now oh how is that it's pretty good it's um i believe it's a like a duology so i might have to see how well i like this one because i'm only like a page in right now okay um but i'll see how i like it and then if i like it i'll just get the second one on my kindle because i have the first one physically in my hand at home so cool cool so that's what i'm reading and we'll see if um i can connect it to the topic today um so uh see if you'll Books I did not finish. Yeah, you won't DNF this one, huh? Or maybe I'll, I'll, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll see. I was this close, and you can't see it, listeners, but, like, my fingers are very close together. I was this close to DNFing one of us's lives. <laughs> I almost asked, yeah. But I was this close. <laughs> so, DNF. Did not finish. Means you did not finish that book. Yes. This is a term that we see online, like, every single time you read, like, a book review. Yeah, and I mean... You see you people use... Goodreads reviews, you see that a lot. If you see TikTok reviews, you see that a lot. There's been a lot of, um, and I guess this is kind of a good time because it's after the fact that a lot of this is happening. You see a lot of, like, authors actually, like, going against people reviewing and say they did not finish the book. Really? Yeah. Like, there was a lot of TikTok drama, like, a few, like, a couple months ago, Hmm. where authors, like, a couple authors came out and they were like, I don't like it when you leave one-star reviews or... Um, you you say you DNF'd the book like you don't need to do that because you're ruining like like my uh, rating or whatever on the book and I'm like girl I, I would be angry at them for another reason like that they're putting out an opinion without having finished the book whereas like really? driving down their ratings yeah like yeah well I mean I can see that but like are there any books that you did not finish yeah I want actually I'm curious about this because I know there are people I'm a big DNFer but I, there's a whole thing with that that I don't yes. that I can unpack. But I'm curious to know. I'll unpack mine after Tony's. Are you? Do you? If you start a book, do are you, you just to... gonna finish it regardless, or not? Are you... Not regardless. Like, okay. um, what is your DNF opinion? <laughs> DNF. <laughs> Let's get into it. Right. <laughs> you can't um, say, but I'm gonna rub my hands together for this one. <laughs> Oprah leaning forward. So Grant, what is the truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, first we have to, d- d- you know, decide what what means. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So sure. let's, start, let's start with that. Well, let's start with uh, what do you what like? 
Are you an automatic finisher? Like you have to read it all the way through? Do you no, not? I uh, I do re- I do research typically before I commit to something. Mm. So most of the time, I know that I'll probably either be interested by the subject matter or yeah. the you know author's writing style or something, and then yeah, typically I'll finish it. But occasionally I'll just experiment with stuff, and then early on, if I'm really not feeling it, I won't I won't finish it. But I won't act like I have a fully formed opinion on it either. We'll come back around okay. to that because that is a whole other discussion for okay. like later. Yeah. All right. Tell me. I think that's fair. I think because I want to hear you unpack whatever you were just about. To well, say. okay. So I'm the reason I'm a big DNFer is because I frequently dabble just to see if if I connect with the piece because sometimes because I, I love doing research on a book before I read it too just because I like to know how authors think about their own work mm-hmm. um, and then compare that with I don't really consider reviewers opinions anymore I used to be a big review reader but yeah I'm, having, I'm getting the same way where I really don't yeah having read enough and having seen enough develop over time and being a a, a huge fan of old school criticism where like you had to study, you had to use particular arguments, or if you were going to not use particular arguments, you had to defend why you weren't using them and then come up with a new basis of criticism. Like, that to me is a legitimate thing because you're not just looking at something and saying, why are people buying this? No, no, you're looking at the work itself and saying, what makes this thing work mm-hmm. the way that it works mm-hmm. regardless of who's reading it like whether people like what makes people who love it love it and what makes people hate it hate it and then what is it doing independent of those two people like that's to me that you have to look at objectively and just kind of go okay this is what people on this end of the spectrum say this is what people on this end of the spectrum yeah. say yeah it's probably somewhere in the middle so let's take a look at it from the middle of the road yeah and it takes you the person writing the review out of it but reviews aren't like that anymore it's all about you how know, did you feel how can I convince you to buy or not buy this book that's the whole point of your reviewership which I just can't get down with. Do you, I'm think, like, do you think influencer culture has kind of no, I think influenced it's, I just think it's, that? I think it's just capitalism. Publishers know that, you know, the Stephen Kings and J.K. Rowling's and George R. R. Martins of the world can make them a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. And so they bank on, and they know that there are whole groups of people, particularly young, but there are whole groups of people that they don't have to pay to, to fund people purchasing stuff so that anything could become popular at any moment based on however many book talkers, booktubers, Twitter people, it, however many people are talking about something, it's free advertising. Mm-hmm. That you don't you can say that about. about a certain romance author at the, that's really popular in the world. But yeah, Colleen Homer totally You can totally that. say that right I mean, they, now. But, but they all do. Like any, uh, like Brandon Sanderson benefits from it, Colleen Hoover benefits, like everyone, any author that is super popular for any amount of time right now is is being influenced or being affected by all of that and that's, and that's fine. You know, that's what we live in. But it doesn't say anything about the art. So for me, I like to know what did the author think when they were writing this thing? Mm-hmm. And if I respect it, I will approach the work. I'm kind of like a shy, what are those little shy animal creatures? Maybe a cat. I'm kind of like a cat where I'm just like, you entered the building, but I'm not sure. You're the bunny rabbit. You're the bunny like, rabbit. You're like, Maybe. yeah, right. Like, I want to know what's going on here. And then when I approach the book, I approach it as an author reader where Mm -hmm. if I'm coming in as a reader I'm just like oh is this enjoyable Mm -hmm. like are these sentences enjoyable whatever whatever but if I'm approaching it as a writer I go okay 
the blurb and the author and the publisher, they're all saying that this is a hero's journey. I know what to expect. If I go in and you didn't deliver on the promise, if you gave me something better, I'll be happier. If you gave me something not up to scratch, I'll just be like... DNF. (laughs) But but, but DNFing for me often happens when I approach something that is... I'm either not in the mood for it... Mm -hmm. Or it's too challenging right now. And sometimes that can happen at the same time. Like, it's like I approach something and I'm like, ooh, ooh. And then I have to back off and be like, you know what? This is too much. I need a break. I need a moment. I need to, like, I like, and I know that I'm going to come back to it eventually. Like, with Dune, for example, mm-hmm. there's a point in my future. I don't know when, but there's a point in my future where I'm just going to see it, grab it, read it all in one night and go, oh, I get it. But... <laughs> You know, I bounced off of it, not because it was bad, but because it wasn't what I expected initially. And I didn't know what to do with what I was thinking and feeling. So it's like, all right, I need to go read other things and then come back. (laughs) That's how I feel with uh, Virginia Woolf at the moment anyways yeah, like because sure. I, 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 st- I started to read three of her books and I'm like I'm just <laughs> not in the mood for this like I can tell that in another time I'll probably really really enjoy this and fly through them but yeah. it's not that time <laughs> yeah I did this for half my life with Lord of the Rings because I wanted to read it I was obsessed with the Rankin Bass animated stuff I was obsessed with Peter Jackson I was obsessed with the video games and the soundtrack like I was a Middle Earth person who had never read the books I'd read The Hobbit but the style of The Hobbit and the style of Lord of the Rings are very different. So I was just not ready. And then finally, a couple of years ago, I was like, all right, come on. You've read Toni Morrison. Like, you can handle Tolkien. <laughs> and I sat down and read it. <clears throat> and The Fellowship is one of my favorite books because of how incredible it is. But I don't think I was ready to recognize, you know, of the things that that book is doing before a couple of years ago. And so I, I was able to appreciate it. And that's what makes it, for me, such a good read. Does that make sense? Like, like sometimes I think you have to grow into the work that you're attempting to, to read. And that's why I frequently will DNF things. So I'm just like, yeah. Um, because I've gotten to the point where I stop trying to read things that I know I'm not going to like. like. That's fair. One of Us is Lying is one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I know it's popular. And yeah, people are reading it. And I, it, it may not be bad. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to read it because it's not even in my wheelhouse whatsoever. And I'm okay with that. Like, Yeah, you no, know, that, that like, makes total sense. Yeah, so, uh, you know. Like, when I started reading One of Us is Lying, I it was actually just on a whim. Yeah, And this, right. is, this is like how... So, I personally, when I do DNF things, um, it's not because of me not, like, starting it and then just like going oh this isn't for me Mm -hmm. it's a completely like separate thing and it's like kind of like a brain click Mm -hmm. um and so so with one of us is lying it was quite literally just on libby and it was available at the moment like that's just how i was sorting it was available at the moment and i just went oh yeah this is supposed to be kind of popular and this is on my kindle wish list yeah. So I might as well just get it out of the way. It's here if I really like it and I run out of time on my um, checkout. I'll just buy it if I do like it and then I can finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the moments that I did want to like DNF it, I just had to put it down and put it away for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because of like 
the reason that I normally DNF things. It was just because I was just, like, frustrated with how the characters were acting. And I was like, I need to throw the book out the window for a moment. And I put it down <laughs> and came back the next day. Yeah. Um, when I usually DNF things, it's usually because I'm bored. Uh, so, uh, so, sure. how, so the easiest way I can explain this is uh, when Twilight came out, I read... <laughs> yeah, so here we go. When Twilight came out, I read the first one. And here's the thing. I was very much uh, involved in the Harry Potter versus Twilight, like, whole, like, Mm. fandom fight type deal going Mm -hmm. on at the time. So I did not read Twilight for a while because of the hype surrounding it. Mm. And there was the wizards versus vampires thing. And I was just more firmly over in the wizard side because that's just how I grew up. And it was what I liked. Wizards would win. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, um, uh, but here, uh, there, okay. there, there's, there's, there, there, okay. Sorry. But, um, I have an entire universe in my head that I invented just to prove that question. Oh, yeah? Yes, because I wasn't so sure that the wizards would win, but that's oh. just, you know. Did they win? No, but that's just because okay. a wizard fell in love with so, a vampire and, you know. You know, whatever. <laughs> so, I, when I read it, I finally read it, like, I think a couple years after it came out. And the second and third books were already out um, by this point. And so I had read the first one. I did enjoy it. It did take me like a hot minute to get through with it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, I do like this. I There's the second book. But I, at the time, I couldn't afford the second book. And I was going to come to the library to come get it. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> but um, my, I slept over at my friend's house. And she had a copy of it. And I spent... She fell asleep on the couch. Like, she went to bed at a normal time. I'm, like, 7th grade, so I'm, like, 12, 13 at the Mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. I spent the whole entire night in the dark, sitting by the window. (laughs) I read the whole entirety of New Moon in that whole night. By the light of the moon, huh? By the light of the moon. Ironic. And I did enjoy it. Like, I got to the end of New Moon, and I was very much enjoying it. Like, it was great. And then I got to the third one, and then I got half, like, I think, like, a third of the way through the did third you, did one. Did you get eclipsed? I did eclipse myself. <laughs> I was like, I have to leave. I can't finish this because, and this is just my personal opinion, but I feel like at that moment she decided to just lore dump the entirety into that book, that hmm. third book, mm-hmm. and it wasn't paced out fast enough for me to the point where I because sure. so you read the first and the second one and it's very much centered around like Bella Edward and Jacob and it's very much surrounding them you do hear little bits and pieces about the other characters like backstories and the, like other things about them and like the Voltori and things like that yeah and then you get to book three and then all of a sudden she's lore dumping the entire background of like every other single Cullen member onto you at that point oh I see what you mean yeah yeah, there is a and lot of backstory in that. It's yeah. so much. It's yeah. so overwhelming at that moment because, like, because she, she's technically gearing up and she's giving you Jasper's backstory yeah. and Rosalie's backstory mm-hmm. to gear you up for that fight against the newborns in, like, the third book or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you're just... At this point, like, all I really care about is the love triangle fiasco. <laughs> um, I could, like, at the, like later on in life, I do enjoy the other Cullens a little bit more than the main characters. Sure. But, like, at that time, I'm, like, 13, mm-hmm. and this book is geared toward teens, and you are all of a sudden just lore-dumping the entirety of, like, your characters' yeah. backstories in, like... 
a whole bunch of chapters right in the middle of the book. Yeah, yeah. Which is at the cusp of the climax of this whole entire fiasco between the three main characters' love triangle. And then all of a sudden you take a pause and you're like, here, let me explore why Jasper all of a sudden (laughs) is like this god of war type character. And you're just like, wow, that's a lot. And so I had to stop. That's fair, yeah. But I was bored because all of a sudden I get... All of a sudden, we have like all this action that's leading up, and then all of a sudden, it just stops mm-hmm. and slows to a halt because we need to go back and we need to backtrack and give us all this backstory mm-hmm. that you could have given us like in little spurts here or there, like along the way. Yeah. And at that point, I'm bored because you've gone and slowed to a halt to grind yourself back up there. And I was like, oh, I will can't do that. say that. There are two things that will make me DNF and never return. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I haven't returned so, to either one of those books, by the way. I, I tried Breaking Dawn afterwards. Can't do it. I need for the Sarah J. Moss fans to grab their wigs and sit down. I'm just kidding. <laughs> because I... <laughs> oh, that was just... That was yeah. That was good. Grant was grabbing um, his wig. Grant, yeah, Grant <laughs> grabbed a wig. So, uh, because you you're not gonna like what I'm gonna have to say, but it's true. Okay. Um, so the first Throne of Glass book. Okay. I was really into. I thought that the world building was solid, if you know typical, but it was you know it was solid enough mm-hmm. for what she was doing. I loved the main character. I thought she was really really interesting. Um, she avoided the trap somehow, which I like to refer to as the Katniss trap, um, because there was a Katniss trap that held a vice grip over YA for. A solid decade. I would after. like to know what the Katniss trap is, but please explain afterwards when I. The explain. Katniss trap is basically um, strong female character insert, so that they're always wearing. You can picture plot them. armor. Yeah, they're always wearing armor of a certain kind, but it's not really armor. It's more. Is like this pleather. why I DNF'd the second Winter <clears throat> Games book? It's they're always wearing like some <laughs> uniform that's specific to their kung, to their quest. They're in a game of some sort, and they can and never really fully be like injured or something. Oh, like they can that never really because of that armor. Well, they're always they always have you know their hair is always braided back in a fierce you know there's and they're almost always invariably some kind of archer or something rain. Or you know, they're, and they're always training to defeat the enemy. And there's a it, no, it all of that is a part of this character. Mm-hmm. So it should have been a Katniss trap in a fantasy landscape. She even had the the whole like team thing, like Gail the and Peta, love, but not she had Gale the love triangle. She had the whole on. thing. She had the whole formula right there in the book. And yet, I was obsessed with <clears throat> this character. <clears throat> this character. <laughs> And anytime any of the dude, the two dudes who were completely necessary, like the entire plot could have happened without her, mm-hmm. honestly. And it would have just been the two. And men it would and have you... been them, and they would have been just as interesting, or not just as interesting. It would have been interesting on its own. But the fact that you have her as a component, and you know it because she knows that the two guys are slowly crushing on her, mm-hmm. and she will frequently because she's an assassin. We'll play those up to her advantage. She'll be like, mm, yeah. But that's fair. But, but over, she's an assassin. Right, but over the course of the story, she's beginning to feel certain things about that. Like, oh, I kind of felt bad about that because we just had this really cool conversation about books and he was starting to open up. But I needed information, okay? And it's like, 
Yeah. So I now she's her. getting to that point where she's starting to try to have to justify her own. Yeah, like, I, she was a really fascinating character. I really liked her. I really liked the two guys because they were essential to the plot without being will they, won't they, you know, who will she choose? They're essential to the plot without it being that they are literally just there to be love interests. Yes. They actually yeah. have other things to do outside yes. of the plot. And, and they would do that. They would frequently just go, oh, yeah, I have things to do because I'm the bodyguard to the king. Or I have things to do because I'm the kid of the king. And, you know, I'm kind of expected to not be cavorting with an assassin. You know, that kind of thing. And then two-thirds of the way through the first book... The pacing just goes really wonky. And I stopped. I couldn't. I was like, no, I can't do it. Because that's one of the things that really drives me nuts. And we'll, I just, if you are so good at so many other things and you mess up the pacing. Oh, you stopped yourself so hardcore. <laughs> yes, I did. Tony is really, really passionate about yeah, this. You, I really hate, I don't know. Maybe that's a petty thing. <laughs> I really hate bad pacing. It, I think it's also how, part of the DNF like yeah. cycle is the pacing. The- yeah, despite how knowing how challenging solid pacing can be, mm-hmm. but to me, pacing is a it, pacing problems. The reason I don't like it in published fiction is because it's like you had how many passes on this book, and no one's thought to say to you you've bitten off more than you could chew that is always the problem when when pacing becomes a problem it's because the author has bitten off more than they could chew and this was a very simple story mm-hmm. i understood that she wanted to write sequels i understood but that's what it felt like you were going two-thirds of the way through and then suddenly she levels up so it's kind of in like- a way that like there's no lead into it's just so- suddenly like I was exploring this cavern, and boom, power seeped into my body. And you're like, wait, hold up, wait. But... Where did the power come from? What are we doing? Yeah, where does it come from? What is happening? Like, there's a dream sequence Why that, is there power? Why do you have this Yeah, happen? like, there's a dream sequence that isn't a dream sequence, but you don't really know that for a few nights until you do know it, and then it's just like... So, all of this time we've spent with this character who's supposed to... We know she's supposed to win, right? It's like James Bond, right? Like, you know yeah, James you Bond know is going to win. It's figuring out how he's going to win. That's interesting. You give them all the tools to do it, and they're piecing it together, and they're putting it together, they're doing all the training. And you're really invested, and then all of a sudden yes. she and just gets... suddenly like they're like, oh, and by the way, James Bond got stabbed by a German scientist who had a liquid, and he turned into Captain Germany. And you're just like, Captain Britannia? I don't know. Where's James Bond from? But, you know, suddenly he gets, he gets a superpower two-thirds answer. of the way through, and that's how he's going to defeat the villain. And you're like, wait... What? That's literally what Throne of Glass feels like two-thirds of the way through, and I just have never forgiven him for that. Despite, yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Despite so many people who love that series, and I can understand why they love the series. I'm sure it develops into something pretty epic and great. I don't know. I'll let you know when I get there. (laughs) I was really annoyed by that, and I have not been able to forgive her for that, so I... That's petty, I guess. The other thing is world building. So it's kind of like the game of... I, I want to say Game of Thrones. House of Dragon, kind of. Oh, oh. So so for those who don't know or, you know, haven't, like, experienced it yet, uh, House of Dragon starts off very slow I do in know. the show. Yeah, I do know But that here's hard. the thing. Once you get to, like, a few episodes in, like, I think it's, like, episode five or something, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you've gone from, like, having, like... Every single episode, and, like, I feel like this is the opposite, and I'll explain why in a second, but 
So, the first, like, five episodes, everything has a start and a beginning, and everything is its own arc. You can mm-hmm. technically watch every single episode and have it just be its own separate, single singular thing. Yeah. And then you hit episode five, and then all of a sudden, it slows down to a snail's pace, and now we have, like, seven, eight, eight... Seven. I have to... There's, like, 13 episodes or something. I DNF to... But, like, you have, like, those extra episodes until the end of the season where all of a sudden now we're just slowed down to a snail's pace and it's all those episodes are now in their own arc. And... Oh, like, the latter half of the Yeah, season. and oh. the reason that they did that was because it was only supposed to be, like, one limited series, like, one singular, like, season kind of thing. And then they realized, oh, we're getting money off of this because it's really popular. And then halfway through the season, you see this change, that change, because they decided at that point, well, we can do a few more seasons of this. If we, yeah. And so they decided to sign on for like two or three more seasons. And then all of a sudden, every single episode now is like following a long arc because now we can elongate everything and we don't have to just focus on completing a whole entire arc within each episode. I really And I feel like that's kind of like the same effect as your Throne of Glass thing, but just flipped on its head. Yeah. So like at that point, you're going oh, we're trying to slowly piece this together and it's going to be, like, one singular, like, book and it gets together and at that point, when she's writing it, like, halfway through or something, the publishers aren't informing her just yet that she has sequels. And so she's like, oh, I really have to add in the power draw now Mm -hmm. to be able to get there. No, I think she sold it as a series, though. Right. So I don't know what happened to it. I just feel like it was just... She knew she had... She was a new author, and so she had a whole series. And that's one of those things where, like, it's hard. It's just... It's a technical difficulty. Like, it's a technical challenge Mm -hmm. to write a series, and it's a technical challenge to... This is... I don't want to give this person more praise, but this is why I will defend the Harry Potter series to the hilt, the books. The movies do what they do, but the but the books, the reason that those are so, in my mind, well... We can defend the books without defending the author. True. They're well, so well orchestrated because they avoid that problem. Yes. You know, she knew she was going to do seven books and was sticking to Because she wrote that. the ending of the seventh book yeah, first. Yeah, so like she knew where she was headed. She still could have messed it up because it's a yes. master level thing to be able to just Because she wrote that seventh off. one first and then all of a sudden she now has to connect everything over. Our yeah, family. so I mean, you can, I mean, there's so many ways along the way that you can mess up and like fail. But especially as a brand new author like you're brand new you don't know what you're you don't mm-hmm. not necessarily know what you're doing but you're, you're not as schooled as someone who's been doing this like George R. R. Martin when George R. by the time George R. R. Martin got to Game of Thrones book one like he was a master and when you read you just know. Game of Thrones you're like oh Oh, this is... It's too good. And you're like, well, no, of course, because he wasn't brand new. He'd been doing... He'd been writing professionally for two decades at this point. So it's like... That's one of the reasons that, like, the Harry Potter series feels a bit strange because it's like this is a person who clearly had not been publishing ever but had enough wherewithal to put an entire seven-book thing together. Yeah. 
masterfully. Like the pacing is really good yes. in that series, and and the and the connecting pieces are really good, and that's hard. And to that's do. why I feel like I come so. back to that one after I get bored with another one where like that mm-hmm. pacing just all of a sudden either just slows to a stop. Like it gets too fast. I get. Mm-hmm. I'm like. I. I'm bored now. And then I go back to that because it's paced so well that I'm not bored. There is always something happening, mm-hmm. even if it's boring or not. There's always just something going on, and I can go. Okay, I understand the pacing that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. kind of want to switch gears because we were talking about reviews for books at one point. Ooh, when you yes. review things and you say you DNF'd it or you're giving it one star. Yes, Grant. And Grant <laughs> mentioned that he doesn't think that, you know, you should do that. Uh, I want to hear Grant's opinion. Oh, yeah. I'm actually curious about that. Like, I mean, it's not, it's not much of an opinion. I mean, <laughs> I didn't finish the book, so I'm joking. Yeah, so you don't feel that there's anything that can be said. Uh, I... I, I feel like you should give it, like, a... Read most of it. <laughs> sure, yeah. Like, right. um... I don't know. I just... Uh, if you're gonna put an opinion out there, I feel like you should have an educated opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. Or like, at least like, a, I think maybe, like, at least an educated opinion on why you DNF'd it. Like, just besides, like, hey, I just stopped because I didn't like what character A was doing, but maybe you yeah. could just be, like... I felt like the pacing wasn't right for me. Like you could say personally, I DNF this because of X, Y, Z. Yeah, I mean, if you if you if you mean... actually genuinely have like a a well thought out reason why you didn't finish it and mm-hmm. you think it's worth reading, then go ahead. Um, There's some like like something. I don't know, but like I didn't finish uh, Ancient Evenings by Norman Mailer, and I didn't. F- oh. So, but I also didn't have many like deep thoughts about it and I saw it yeah so it wasn't like worth it's not like you so like you didn't finish it because it was just not inter- like I, I it was it. boring it was boring okay well there you go yeah and see that's that's one of those things like yeah I yeah yeah I don't know I, that's I, that's fair if you didn't finish it can you really I don't know it's it's the same principle as like uh, challenging a book like we ask sure. in our in our forms, did you read the book? Like to get the full context mm-hmm. and everything. To, yeah, that's true. You know, that's true. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. And I'm just speaking for me personally. Like I, yeah. I wouldn't write a review for something I didn't finish. Yeah, like I never. It's not, it's not like I think it's some great evil or something. Right. I never. That's one of the reasons I never actually. When people start talking about To Kill a Mockingbird, I just sit there quietly because I started it. I got three chapters in. I hated it. Mm-hmm. Not for any... There was no pernicious reason. I just... As I was reading it, I was like, this is really boring. Why Why do people like this? <laughs> and so I just... I stopped. Um, and there was nothing particularly interesting about the craftsmanship of the book. You know, it wasn't one of those things where it's like, okay, you know, this is boring, but I could see why the author... Like, no, I could, I could not justify any reason to keep going. So I stopped. I don't then think that it's okay for me to wade into our like when people start discussing To Kill a Mockingbird it's merits or not I don't feel like I have a dog in the fight because I literally stopped I was like yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> this kind of ties into a topic I want to do someday um, do you think mostly about like uh, debut novels versus later novels in an, mm. in an author's career do you feel like um, 
Harper Lee was an un um she wasn't ripe because <laughs> like that was her <laughs> de- that was her debut novel yeah and like she that's never an wrote. interesting topic that we could probably come across we do have an extra episode that we have to come up with a topic for also my birthday one you yeah, oh you haven't picked that yet no, either no so, ooh, you know, ooh make your choice I don't care what you, but I think that's a great one because yeah. I think I typically prefer later career like works myself but. Anyways, that's off. No, no, that's actually very. It's very interesting because it's hard to. It's hard to just pick which one you like more. Really. There's a charm to debut novels. I try to. There's a charm. Yes. I feel like right now people are obsessed with debut stuff. Yeah. Young creators. I I do try to get like especially when I am collection development styles. I do try to get like a big mix of that. Mm -hmm. And I do try to pay attention to authors that I have gotten debut novels from to see like if they do come up with anything else because maybe like if it searched well on our end like that debut novel does go well I can mm-hmm. get the next one and see mm-hmm. how well that they've gone but even personally like if I read it in like library journal or something that this author's coming out with a second one after they've written their debut I try to at least add it to my Kindle wish list yep. for later just so I can mm-hmm. experience their growth with them because sometimes they might get better at pacing and maybe I might not DNF the book. <laughs> no, you're right. There's there's an obsession with not just debut novels, but also young young creativity. I it, would agree. And, and which there, yeah. yeah, like you said, there's a charm and there's an energy, but there's a there's a uh, I don't know there's a wisdom and um, a craft that you can't get without gain experience that you gain experience with that. age and yeah you, you really do I find later masterworks more interesting generally more interesting yeah I would say like for example uh, the one of the books that came out this week that I'm personally super excited about is um, Tress of the Emerald Sea it's Brandon Sanderson's. oh okay I was like did we we did order that. It's, it's on your. First, it's on your uh, staff picture. Yeah, it's the first of his Kickstarter novels, um, and it's a standalone. The last standalone that he did was Warbreaker, and his debut novel was a, was a standalone. I love his his debut novel, um, but it's clunky. Like, it, like, period. Like, it's a it's a really good book. It's really well done. It's, you know. What he does well, he does really well. But it's clunky. It has it has moments. It has mistakes. It has things that you're like, um, you know, and, and that you question or you know whatever. And so it's not a, it's not a masterpiece. He was not the kind of person that was like, oh, he wrote a masterpiece out of the gate. No, he wrote a really solid, good novel. Later, Brandon, like well, by the time you get to Warbreaker, which is his f- fifth book, which is in his second. Standalone, which just showed up on my uh, it's Amazon wish list. Way, I mean, like light years. You're like, oh yeah, this guy wrote a trilogy, and is beefing up to write Wheel of Time because like this book is like it's, and then his post Wheel of Time stuff, like just I'd like one you to chapter know he out does of his post Wheel of Time books is just like gold, and you're like, yeah, he learned. Like it, so there is something about late stage career writing or even like with N.K. Jemison, I love her debut I will always love her debut it has a it's so it's just so good but her later work is obviously more masterful but it's harder for me to read because it's like The Hundred Thousand Kingdoms is just enough like it's rageful but it's just enough later on it's full on it's a masterful writer putting on that same amount of or cooking up you know, the pressure cooker of rage that she likes to put in her work, but she's a master writer at it now, and you're like, 
okay, okay, turn the heat down, Nora. I'm good. I'm really good. I do not need this anymore. I would, <laughs> so, I would like you, know. you to know, though, that there are three other secret project books that are coming out oh, yeah, this, this year. year. Uh, mm-hmm. One is coming out literally next Tuesday. I, do, I did not buy it, but there is one coming out next Tuesday, according to my Kindle. Oh, um, but it comes out June technically in hardcover. It comes out in June from Tor, but it the, is the yeah. Frugal Wizards Handbook for Surviving Medieval England. Yes, I'm really excited for that one. So too. There's that one, and then yeah. there is uh, a Cosmere novel. Uh, it's called yeah. The third one. Yeah, that's the third one, and there's no cover yet because it doesn't come out till July on Kindle, but it doesn't come out till October from Tor. Yeah. And it's called Yumi and the Nightmare Pan- Painter, according oh, yeah, to yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm on Amazon right now. Yeah, Yumi and the Nightmare. And then there's a fourth one, and the fourth one is, is called The Sunlit Man, and that yeah. comes out January 2024. Oh, that's right. So uh, you can look forward to all of these ones. Yeah, and I. Th- because I believe they're all standalones. I think they're all standalones, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I really like a good standalone. But I'm excited for Trust of the Amazon because of that reason. Like, the later. I do have you know, to say the. Novels uh, of a writer, I think, are genuinely better. The than Kindle their cover first is prettier. Stuff, you know. Than the uh, hardcover cover for Tress of the of the Emerald Sea. Agreed. It is more gorgeous for the yeah. Kindle edition. So all guess the, what I'm buying? All of the Kickstarter backers got a better looking book there, and I don't feel ashamed to say that. I didn't Kickstarter back it because I didn't even know it was a thing until it he, was done. It was on CBS Sunday, and I was like, "What is Brandon Sanderson doing on CBS Sunday morning?" And they're like, "He had the biggest Kickstarter of all time." I'm like, "Oh, well, that would do it." Um, <laughs> so you know, it, it was great. It was fine. I, you know. I'm a fan. Leave me alone. I'm, I'm a Fanderson. At least you didn't. DNF, at least you didn't <laughs> DNF it, or you won't yet. Uh, you know, if anyone DNFs Stormlight, it's because it's in a thousand pages. The first book is a thousand pages. Is like, that, is that it, his like, standalone? Uh, no, that's the big series. Like that's his that's his wheel of time, basically. Did they only get thicker from there? They only get thicker from there. Yeah. I, I want to say the second one is the still the biggest of the four. The Way of the King. Yeah, the Way of Kings is the first one. I think. Words well, of I'm adding it to my biggest, wish list but, now. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you how I feel about it eventually. Sure. I kind of want to see a return to, like, in fantasy, like, to on the uh, Michael Moorcock, almost, like, shorter, not necessarily the pulpiness, but I want, want, like, shorter, epic fantasy, more condensed books. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're you're more knowledgeable about the scene than I I am, but I feel like we have a ton of, like, huge, high fantasy. Oh, yeah, the big big book in general, like, overall. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm used to, you've seen this in other fields that you're... Yeah, and I I mean, I'm typically, I'm a maximalist. (laughs) I enjoy maximalist things, but... Yeah, yeah. I think with fantasy, sometimes it can just get very samey and very... It can get very, yeah, it can get very bogged down. It can also get very overwhelming sometimes, depending on how Mm -hmm. maximalist the author gets. Well, one of the challenges right now is that a fantasy novel, an epic one in particular, is expected to do so much more than they were in Michael Moorcock's day. Like, in Michael Moorcock's day, him and Ursula and a whole bunch of them were sort of, like, trying to address the elephant in the room, which was Lord of the Rings. They were just like, we don't want to write Lord of the Rings. Like, he did that already. We love it. What else can be done? They were kind of the punk rock of the... Yeah, and they, I mean, they they, they were masterful writers, like, sentence writers, and so they were able to boil all of those concepts, those huge concepts, down into mm-hmm. more distilled territory. But these days, an epic fantasy is expected to be... I mean, it's expected to carry so much weight that it's like, how do you distill all of that expectation down into mm-hmm. a singular character, let alone, you know, 
uh, a one book, <laughs> three hundred page, you know, short and skinny kind of art, you know. Um, but I mean, I think that's just. And I feel that that can definitely lead to some DNF moments for people. Oh, absolutely. They feel, they feel just, they're, and, 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 you know, it's scary for them. Yeah, anyone who, and I know those people, anyone who says, who picks up the new Stormlight and is done with it in the next three days, I just want to clock them with a copy of the Stormlight. Like, I'm like, are you serious? Did you read? Yeah. Like, or did you just? Yeah, like, what did you do? So do you like, want me to <laughs> download Wave the Kings and then finish it in two days and tell you how I think? Uh, I'll do it. You, you, it. I will do it. You can. I will still be reading it very slowly. It's a thousand pages. I, there's I, a there's a quote from like Woody Allen, I think, which I don't necessarily want to bring up Woody Allen, but yeah, well, we brought up the term. You underestimated. We, 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 we brought up the, by the way. Yeah, we brought yeah. Yeah. But like he he went to a uh, I'm not gonna just, I don't know the exact quote, but he went to like a speed reading class or something, and they read War they they used War and Peace as an example, so mm. that, like they read it in a few hours. And then, like, when they asked everybody what it was about, they all just said, it was about Russia. <laughs> so, Granted, I'm that person, but that's but I do remember more than just, it's about Russia. After I finished re- re- speed reading uh, One of Us is Lying, I at least remember the plot. Oh. I'm terrified. Oh. All right, so what is it? Okay. This is what fun. did Tony pull out of our... Uh, um, secret tub of the secret tub of fun little things that we can end our podcast with. All right, this is actually kind of fitting with what we're okay. discussing, uh, sort of. Uh, would you rather only read your favorite genre for the rest of your life, or every genre but your favorite? Uh, oh. oh God! <laughs> Here's the thing: what if you don't have one yeah. a favorite genre? Okay, I'm going to challenge. How you. does that work? I'm going to challenge you on that a bit. I'm going to say. Would you rather only read manga for the rest of your life okay. or every genre but manga? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I still watch anime? You can watch anime, yeah, because you're not reading it. You know, you're watching it, so yeah, that's that's fair. But you won't be able to read it. <laughs> I hate this question. Yeah, I thought you, I thought you might, yeah. yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah. I, I, to be honest... I think Grant would be fine. He reads all the genres. So. To be quite honest, I with the way that manga is evolving right now, I would rather read manga. Which which might be a hot take, but, I don't but know. hear me I'm, out. I'm interested to hear see me how out, Hear me out. So. With the way that it's been going, and I've been reading a lot of different like mangas that I can find in like Comixology slash the Kindle store and things like that and like stuff that I can get... There has been a lot of involvement, and um, right now, currently, like, the main thing is isekai stories, which is, um, for those who don't know, isekai stories are basically, this person is a mundane person, normal human, and they get transported into a completely separate world. Um, It's big in, like, self-publishing now, too. And I'm kind of going to, I'm going to call upon the Jennifer Noble, um thing here where she was ranting about fluffy books and how sometimes fluffy books have really like hardcore things that they need to address yeah manga does that as well yeah um as much as we always want to kind of pin manga in in, uh graphic novels in as like a younger genre and is like for teens or younger a lot of manga actually addresses a lot of adult themes that you might not really come across all that often Mm -hmm. um 
And so you see this a lot in, like, My Hero Academia. You see this um, and a lot of certain novels might actually become manga graphic novel ad- adaptations. So you see, like, mm-hmm. Animal Farm and Great Gatsby and Lord of the Flies and all of these different classics have all become graphic novel editions because they can visually communicate all of that with somebody. Yeah. Um, there's romance mangas, there's like mangas that are very like hardcore, like your berserks, your Vinland sagas that are just like insane. You have your JoJo's Bizarre Adventures, which are very much yeah. like so I guess insane in their own way. Insane in their own way. <laughs> so they do like all of the genres that you might be reading about, yeah, like so in that I have cool. to pick. I get all of them, even mm-hmm. if I'm just reading manga. Just because read manga, yeah. Because if I just read manga, mm-hmm. it just means that I have the pictures to go along with it. And to be quite honest, I read a lot faster if I have the pictures along with it, and sure. I retain more yeah. if I have the pictures to go along with it because I'm not only getting like what the author is trying to convey or what's being told mm-hmm. but I'm also getting like the facial expressions of the characters so I'm kind of so like for example like in a book they'll be like this character said this like really haughtily or whatever you see that facial expression and you don't need to tell me that the character is annoyed I see the you annoyance see on their face yeah. and I don't need that extra context yeah. in writing so there's less writing in there for me to just kind of go it and I feel yeah. like this comes with being a person who watched a lot of plays when they were younger because I didn't yeah. get that whole like exit stage left pursued by bear you visibly watched like stuff like that happen and you had to get your context clues from visualizing and understanding human emotions Yeah. and so I would choose manga Sure. so that's my defense um, Grant. Um, I, 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 so, 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 I feel like, um, <laughs> it, it is a tough question, mm-hmm. but, um, I guess if I had to choose a favorite, like, literary fiction in general, sure. but is that too vague of a... No, I don't, no. no. Okay, and, but I, I feel like it's vague enough where I could still, because if I, if I had to say goodbye to, like, fantasy or sci-fi, there's enough of those elements, like, in magical realism and stuff that could sure. theoretically be considered, like... That's fair. You know, that it would drift in, fair. yeah. No, that's fair. Well, um, but then I'd have to say goodbye to Dune. <laughs> oh well, uh, you can think Ooh, of that. Oh yeah, yeah, that would be hard. I don't know. Yeah. What would your answer be? Oh no, I'm not giving up fantasy for anybody. First of all, it's the oldest genre on the planet. It will outlast them all. So yeah. I'm in good company. Um, from Gilgamesh all the way up till the latest Sanderson, I have plenty to read for the rest of my life, and I don't need the other genres. Like I like the other genres. I've dipped my toe and and done more than that in some other places. I respect story so much that I... It's, but it's always harder. It is always harder for me to read a non-fantasy book right. than a fantasy book. With the exception of literary realism, because I think I've, I've become a little bit more practiced in reading literary realism, and I know what I'm drawn to, so I can read that a little bit more. And there's, you know, when I'm in the mood for it, I can really, like, beast out on it. But there's, for me, there's nothing like a great big... Not, it doesn't have to be big, but there's nothing like a great...